0: After seeing It's unbeaten run, come to an end this past weekend. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio. <laughs> A.K.A. Miami Total Football Radio. That voice you heard is of El Primo Steve Brenner. I am Franco Panizo. You are listening to the number one podcast on Inter-Miami, providing you all the news, analysis and insight regarding the team. We also have opinions here, plenty of them and we'll share those today. Steve, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. Watched the match um, in the uh, in Sunny Parkland uh, with a couple of friends. Dave Stelnik, long time fan of the show, was uh, was in the house and we watched it together. And we came away just a bit meh, really, just a bit unimpressed. Just a, not a great game. Certainly for the Inter Miami persuasion and just um, yeah, a kind of another backward step i think we should just roll out the, the, the pods we do after they lose because i'm pretty much sure, sure the, the conversation at least for the first part is pretty much exactly the same as it has been so uh, there you go
0: well there have been a lot of recurring issues over this first half of the season and to remind me, is that 17 games that marks the exact halfway point we will touch on that and give an assessment of this first half of the campaign of course we're going to touch on This match against New York City FC, which Inter-Miami lost 2-0. We'll also preview Wednesday's game against the Chicago Fire. So there's a lot to get to. We'll also have our Q&A session at the end of the pod. So, Steve, plenty to talk about, plenty to dissect. So, let's get to it. Okay, Steve, so as we just mentioned, Inter-Miami loses 2-0 to New York City FC at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. The game snaps Inter-Miami's Franchise record four-game unbeaten run, and it cost the team a chance to continue to climb up the Eastern Conference standings. Inter Miami entered the night Saturday night in 12th place. It could have moved up to 10th place on that night, but it does not do so, and it remains in 12th place right now as we speak this is the lineup that phil neville went with he went with a 5-3-2 formation not the 5-2-3 formation that we had seen in recent weeks but a 5-3-2 and that had nick marsman in goal lewis morgan as the right wing back kelvin leardam as the right center back nicolas figal as the middle of the three center backs leandro gonzalez perez as the left center back and the left wing back was kieran gibbs on that First line of the midfield, you had just Gregory as the lone number six, the destroyer, the defensive midfielder. And just ahead of him were Victor Ulloa and Blaise Matuidi as central midfielders, an inverted triangle there in the center of the park. And up top, you had Gonzalo Higuaín and Rodolfo Pizarro leading the front line. Now, Inter Miami gets off to a good start in this one, a positive start. We'll touch on that in just a bit. But they end up falling behind in the 20th minute. Valentin Castellano scores a headed Finish off of a great cross from Maximiliano Morales. Inter Miami's down 1-0 at that point. Still within reach of the game, but in first minute of first half stoppage time, Kelvin Leerdam is called for a blatant, blatant handball. As blatant as the lit-up guitar at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. You could not miss it. And Valentin Castellanos puts away the ensuing penalty kick. 2-0. Pretty big hole for Inter Miami going into halftime. And they never really respond in the second half they, they fight they compete they show some effort but not a whole lot of great soccer and never really get back into it so Steve all of that said what was your biggest takeaway from this defeat what did you think about the match afterwards
1: yeah I mean yeah the, the penalty was a you it was it was unfortunate his hands are up there you know you can't really do that um no just the same old same old problems really just a bit bit frail at the back weren't they in terms of I think the the first goal, the header, they some someone lost someone lost him, and uh, he managed to put it away. And then yeah, they were having a bit of a on the ascendancy. Iguain had the chance, which I have now was subsequently told was offside, but it was a good opportunity. You know, they, they were starting to create chances, and it just it just kind of petered out, didn't it? They conceded the second goal at the wrong time, and then didn't, nothing really happened in the second half. Too much, did it? They they tried, they sort of hung it together without really ever looking like. Scoring and they were just huffing and puffing. You know, Iguain looked a little bit off it, didn't he? I think, um, yeah, it just was one of those nights where they just nothing really seemed to click into gear, don't you think?
0: So, I thought they started out really well, and you know, there was a lot of good things in those first 20 25 minutes. Yeah, that's solid. solid to start with, not just solid. from the soccer standpoint, like even Gosal Iguain, for example, his demeanor and attitude, a lot of hand clapping, his teammates just looked very positive, and the team, just in general gave me good impressions in those first 20-25 minutes, even after conceding. Obviously, the goal, they had to do better there. Kelvin Leardam shoulders a lot of the blame. He loses Valentin Castellanos, gets caught ball-watching instead of marking the man. However, you also have to give credit to New York City FC and maybe some criticism as well to Kieran Gibbs because NYCFC overloads their right wing into Miami's left flank and... Inter Miami just doesn't have the numbers capable of reacting and closing the spaces quick enough. Kieran Gibbs kind of gets stuck not uh, stuck between two minds. He doesn't really press, press or pressure, excuse me, Maximiliano Morales. And Morales has all day and time to pick out that cross. And a player of his quality and caliber is going to be able to put that on someone's head more often than not with that much time allowed. So he does so. Inter Miami falls behind. They still were okay after that, I thought. But they started to lose some control of the game slowly but surely, and then the second goal is a uh, is a gut punch. It really cost them. Again, I don't know what Kelvin Leerdam was thinking there, or he just lost concentration because uh, you know you you don't put your hands up like that to to block a shot. And, and he knew it. He knew it right away when the referee whistled it because you know he showed some signs of frustration there. Obviously, probably upset with himself. For me, the biggest takeaway besides that good soccer in those first 20 25 minutes when you know it sh- the team showed and looked to be playing more of the style that Phil Neville is looking for against a good opponent mind you New York City FC entered the night in third place in the Eastern Conference finished the night in second and Inter Miami looked better than them for the first 20 25 minutes looked the more dangerous team even though they didn't create a whole lot they just looked like the more threatening team dictating the tempo that showed me that that maybe Phil Neville's philosophy, they're starting to, to hit the initial points, or they're, they're finding the starting points to play, the style that Phil Neville really wants, that this is a work in progress, but, but then afterwards, after the game, when Phil Neville in the post-game press conference says that players got away from the game plan, that to me is pretty concerning, at the very least, eyebrow-raising at the very least because if you're 17 games into the season and one goal is making certain players or the team not follow the game plan anymore then that raises the question yet again as to whether to me to me I don't know how you take it but to me that raises the question yet yet again as to whether this team is bought into what Phil Neville is selling his philosophy and you know how he's selling it because maybe one player maybe two players don't follow the game plan but if several players are not following the game plan just because you go down a goal when the game is still in reach i think that i think that that's that's pretty concerning in general for the team and its demeanor and its outlook for the rest of the season let's quickly hear what phil Noble had to say after the game and then i'd love to hear your thoughts because because we haven't talked about this yet so let's hear this from phil novel
2: uh, we lost our composure we lost our composure we started to do our own individual bits that we thought that would help the team but obviously if we just stuck to the plan uh, like we did in the first 25 minutes we would have we continued to dominate and that's the, that's my frustration is that the uh is that when when you, you have a little bit of a setback like the first goal you just got to keep keep believing in what you're doing and and that was what was give us a real good foundation in the game
0: primo when you hear that quote from phil neville again you've had a couple of nights to dissect it and marinate on it what do you think what are your thoughts on that because again the first, for me, just to make it clear, I thought the first 20-25 minutes were a big step, a big positive and like a step forward. But then when I hear something like that, I'm like, well, maybe that's two steps backwards because 17 games into the season, this is not the, the first week or the second week of the campaign and you're you're having these issues where players aren't following the game plan anymore. I don't know. To me, that's concerning. How about you?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, they're coming off the back of a full match run, which they've played well and, they, you know, they've picked up points. And then, yeah, if, you know, it wasn't happening, was it, I guess, and... They went one down, and then you know players start to panic, and you know they try and do maybe different things than what they've been told about in in training and in the in the build-up. So you know I think he's it's frustration there. Maybe he's thrown a few of them under the bus. We know that despite what's happened in, in you know the past four games, there's still problems with the squad that some players are too vocal, and you know the the cliques that were all there last season. There I think there's an element of that as well. Um, The management don't maybe get on with one or two of the players that we've mentioned ad nauseum in in the past. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those nights where nothing really went and then the players didn't stick to a game plan. I don't necessarily think it points to any, um, you know, uh, graphic, terrible problem within the squad. But it it just, those problems, which were papered over a little bit maybe in the last four games, have come to the fore again. And yeah, there are players that, you know, maybe would do their own thing or maybe wouldn't always go with with what they've been told um, you know those more sort of vocal elements vocal members of the of the squad um, probably someone like Gonzalo Aguin would probably do his own thing rather than maybe listen to the coaching staff in in the heat of battle when things aren't going right you know i think for the most part they seem to be following you know what they what they're trying to do but you know in the heat of battle when it's when you're losing you're not playing well then you know, I guess some people go, go a bit rogue, so it's, it's nothing we don't really know, but it just points at there's, there is just a lack of lack of cohesion there, just in general, but we knew that.
0: So you say the proper term there, that, or a proper descriptive term, and they, they, some of the players went rogue, or, you know, whoever went rogue in, in the game plan or during the course of the match. That to me is definitely concerning, man. That's definitely concerning because
1: oh, it happens when it happens when you're not playing well. Look,
0: let's look at the last three games. Let's take it that way. Let's look at the last three games. Inter Miami in the three games and three out of the four games that it got results out of, we're talking two wins and a draw. It came from behind to do so. It came from behind to beat Mo- to tie Montreal and then beat Montreal. It came from behind to tie Orlando and then it came from behind to tie and beat Nashville SC. So why now in this game are players? going away from the game plan when they've just seen in the last few games that you know they can take a blow they can take a hit and respond to that. What you know what that doesn't exude to me a lot of confidence from the team that doesn't exude very good signs from for me for me. Now I obviously like we've said multiple times on this podcast I am much more cynical than you are but to me that doesn't exude positive signs for what's to come that it takes only one setback one setback in the course of a game for things just to to shake the ship and rattle things that much? I mean, I don't know. To me, that's that's pretty alarming at this point in the season, especially after a run in which they had been playing better, getting results despite going down, and, and looking to start turning the corner. When they start looking like a better and different team, then some of the same old issues pop back up again. I don't I know. know. T- I
1: mean, look, we know that Gonzalez Perez is it's a bit of a destructive influence behind the scenes. That's why they were trying to get rid of him. Uh, I don't know
0: that. I don't know that. I, I don't know.
1: I, I'm 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 led to believe that's true. Um I think Iguain is also very vocal in the changing room. I spoke to someone else the other day, said he's always shouting, he's always, you know, getting trying to get his point across, but maybe sometimes that comes across to other players and people can't, you know, um compute that in the in the right ways. I don't know, it just
0: Oh, that is talk. interesting. This is interesting. It, no, no. I, I, I want you to keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I, I want you to keep going because this is stuff I haven't heard. This is stuff that I'm sure people are uh, listening to the podcast right now are hearing probably from the first time. You know, it's different to imagine it and different to hear it. So, you know, this is you reporting here on the pod. So please continue because this is a uh, Revealing, revealing information.
1: You put me on that. You put me on the pressure now. I don't know. I not <laughs> what to say. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you, It's all symptomatic. I think of a team that is not particularly doing that well, and there are cracks in the, in the squad. We know that. That's why he has tried to move on, González, Pérez. That's why they're not really sure about you know Iguain and the way that he kind of fits into the the squad or doesn't fit into the squad. I'm sure if you know, if they can get him playing well, that's one thing. But I think he carries a lot of a lot of weight and influence. We, and um, it doesn't doesn't help the team sometimes. It helps in a positive way, but sometimes it could be a negative effect as well. So, um, but I think when when they, you don't play well, I, know, I think that's when the, the you know the cracks start to widen.
0: I had heard speaking of locker room, I had heard that after the game against CF Montreal, was it where he scored the brace? That, that's the game where he scored twice. Yeah, and, and he he dedicated to his mother afterwards. Um, you know that game they gave him the Heineken Man of the Match trophy. Which is... It can range from an okay-looking, artsy design of a cleat or something like that. But the one he got was pretty subpar. And I, I heard that the initial night that he was given it, he just left it in the locker room. He was not not at all interested in taking that piece of silverware yeah. or that trophy next to all the trophies he's collected throughout his career. So he kind of left that in the locker room. At least that, that, that initial first night or two. Going towards the tactics of this one. Let's talk about the tactics of on this one. Because... I think Phil Noble got the tactics at the start right. When the game plan was in effect, I think he got the tactics very correct in terms of changing the formation instead of having the 5-2-3 going with the 5-3-2 inverted midfield triangle that we saw in the second half against CF Montreal in the victory that I just mentioned. And that was done to clog the middle, to not be easy to play against, to match numbers that NYCFC had in the center of the park. And I think that worked for Inter-Miami. I also think they were able to rightly and smartly look for the spaces in behind New York City FC's defensive line because NYCFC plays a high line. So that means that their, their team is further up the field. It, it, that's the posture they normally occupy. So there's spaces in behind. So a lot of Inter Miami's success in those first 20, 25 minutes were long balls over the top. A lot of them came from Leandro Gonzalez Pires, who I thought was Inter Miami's best player on the night. I know you're you're not as sold on him, but I thought he was Inter Miami's best player on the night. He helped Inter Miami penetrate NYCFC's defensive third with those with those root one hits up the field, those long balls. Found one to found at least a couple to Lewis Morgan. Hit one that was misplayed by James Sands, and Victor Ulloa gets on the end of it before he tees up Lewis Morgan for for an opportunity. I believe he also may have hit the one that that finds Gonzalo Iguain streaking before the ball hits the the top of the crossbar the ensuing shot but that play was called back for offside I know the broadcast didn't didn't catch that and the, not even the highlight package caught that because the highlight package includes that play from MLS but he was offside on the play if you watch the broadcast again Sean Johnson takes the ball after after the whistle and takes it far upfield before before playing it and even if you look online at mlssoccer.com it's officially ruled as an offside on that play so Regardless Inter Miami started the game bright with the tactics. I don't know if Phil Noble got to the lineup right though for those tactics. I again, I will reiterate that I think the tactics used worked and they were effective for those first 20 25 minutes until the goal came, Things started to to come undone. But but I don't know about the ta- the excuse me the, the lineup because one Kelvin Neardam started in this one as one of the three center backs, he had struggles, he was at least Partially, if not directly, to blame for both of the goals, Inter Miami gave up. And that was one question I had before the game. I thought Christian McCoon should have been starting. We can jump into that a little bit more detail in just a moment. I also thought starting Rodolfo Pizarro in this type of setup didn't make a whole lot of sense because Rodolfo Pizarro is a player that likes the ball to his feet. He likes to combine, he likes to check back and, and, and try to get on the ball. Not a player that likes to run in behind the defense, stretch the defense with, with speed because he's not necessarily the fastest player. So if Inter Miami is going to go look for long balls and hit long balls, then I think they needed someone with a little bit more pace, like like Lewis Morgan did on the right side. Lewis Morgan was Inter Miami's biggest attacking threat in the final third. He had, I think, five shots and two or three of them went on target. He also had that double deflection that just skimmed past the the far post. He was the biggest threat, and that's because he was constantly getting in behind NYCFC's high line. Nobody really could do that on the left side. Pizarro's not going to do that. I think there was one play in the 16th minute where he's kind of feeling the game out, trying to figure out what to do. Kieran Gibbs has the ball on the left flank as the left wing back, and he's looking to hit the ball long into space, and Pizarro... You know, he, he doesn't feel the game that way. He doesn't see the game that way. So, you know, you hear Felnaval on the broadcast say, hey, "Rolo Rolo," And, you know, by the time Rodolfo Pizarro tries to react and try to make that run, the defense has already reacted and, 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 and Kieran Gibbs, you know, doesn't doesn't make that play. So, I think he should have gone with someone like Indiana Vasilev there. Obviously, he doesn't give you maybe the, the experience or the quality that Rodolfo Pizarro possesses, but in terms of speed... And in terms of this game and this game plan, I think he would have been a better fit as well. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I guess it, you know Vasile probably would give, have been given the more give the team more of an outlet. I guess he's more energetic. Um, it's just it's just difficult, isn't it? When you're sort of looking for a goal threat, or you, you know you know you need to score goals. There's only really one guy you're, you're looking at, and it, you know it's just Gonzalo Higuain. But yet he he kind of he's not as mobile as, as he was, and I guess that then. In, in, impacts the rest of the the rest of the team when, absolutely whereas, yeah if you would have gone maybe with a bit more of a dynamic sort of lineup, then you're sort of sacrificing goal threat for you know the p- potential of probably you know, stretching the game later on or you know I, I don't know it's, it's difficult again it's, it's like we say we keep going round in circles but it's a lack of it's just a lack of a lack of options isn't it because I think they've, they're losing faith in, in Carranza or have lost faith already and then you're not left with hell of a lot, really, are you? I mean, Robbie Robinson maybe up, yeah, up top, but um, yeah. you know, Louis Morgan's not in great form. He, he kind of flickered on Saturday night, didn't he? But he hasn't consistently produced the kind of performances that he did. He produced last year.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with most of what you said. But in terms of this game plan, if you're going to have Gonzalo Higuain up there because of the quality he possesses and the finishing abilities that he has and you're going to play this game where you're going to hit long balls up the field, then you need some speed yeah. out there to help you with that. Because Osaduigo Igoe it's clear as crystal. It's been clear as crystal since he arrived in MLS. He's not a player that will stretch a back line. He doesn't make those runs into space over the the, the shoulder of center backs. He just doesn't have the speed, doesn't do those make those runs anymore, barely. So he, he likes to have the ball at his feet and try to dictate play from there. So that I think that makes it even all the more important to have someone with speed next to him in the front line if you're going to play a game plan such as the one Inter Miami try to on saturday i think again indiana vassalip should have started over rodolfo pizarro i get rodolfo pizarro as a dp i get as a head coach it might be tough to take someone out that on paper or even in practice is is someone that has quality in it should be able to translate that onto the field but you have to take form into consideration you have to take the game plan into consideration and the opponent and, and the matchup. So I think that's where if Phil Neville could go back and do it again, I think he would absolutely start Indiana Vasilev over over Rolando Pizarro, and I think he would contemplate much more much more starting McCoon over Leardam. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know even with McCoon and Lierdham, Lierdham's not a natural center back. He's he's more of a, he's a, he's a right fullback can play right back right wing back if if needed. Has played some center back as of late but it's not his natural position. We saw that clearly with, with the two goals or the two plays that led to goals on Saturday, and I think McCoon has had a little bit more time at center back. Also, not necessarily his natural position, but has played there more and looked really good against Nashville SC in, in that three center back lineup. So, Steve, switching gears, we're at the halfway point of the season. And miami is in 12th place with a 4-9-4 and record. Now, they just came off a somewhat decent run, four games unbeaten. Obviously, that that changes with this last result, but they're still in 12th place. They're They were eight points shy of the playoffs as of Saturday night, but that changed with Sunday's results. Inter-Miami is now 10 points behind CF Montreal for the seventh playoff spot, the final playoff spot. Insert miami does have a couple of games in hand over most of the opponents in the East. But things, again, are not looking all that bright, even with the recent improvements, because they have 28 goals conceded. That is fourth worst in the Eastern Conference, and they have 15 goals scored. The worst output in the East and the second lowest in all of MLS just ahead of expansion side Austin FC. So, Steve, we've had 17 games to assess this Inter-Miami team, this 2021 side, with Phil Neville as head coach. What is your assessment of how the team has played up to this point?
1: You're not going to ask me again what would happen if Diego Alonso was still in charge? (laughs)
0: Hey, I didn't ask you that. That That was a question. That question came from the Q&A session. I didn't ask you that, my friend.
1: All those questions should be banned from now on. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm sure if if ever we got Phil Neville on here, he'd say that it's you know they're they're trying to rebuild. It's 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 been slow going. They've you know they probably could have done with a couple of more wins. It's been very average, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's not 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 average, a great. deal. To, average, shout, below average. Yeah, I mean, at best. I mean, only four wins from 17 isn't isn't great, is it? They haven't really been scoring goals. Only 15 goals, which which is the lowest in the certainly in the eastern in the Eastern Conference by well by by at least 3. Cincinnati even Toronto scored 24 but they've led in 40. Um so at least you know Miami haven't let they haven't been letting in too many, you know, like a bucket load of goals. They just they can't score. That's the problem. 15 goals from 17 games is not is not a good return, is it? Not a good return at all. So they're going to have to really turn it around in the in the second half because the the gaps are uh, appearing now. I mean even you know 12 points off fifth Philadelphia. I mean it's possible. They just need to, they just need to win games. But they need to start scoring scoring goals on a on a more consistent basis. Because that, that's really their Achilles heel. I think if they if they had to defend a game for their lives with their lives on the line, I think they could do it. I think it's scoring goals that's the that's the problem. And no one really weighs in other than Igway. That's why you needed a you need someone like a Carranza or um, you know, Robbie Robinson to kind of weigh in a bit more consistently. Um, you know, and it looks like Mitch Mitch Curry has been doing pretty good stuff with the Fort Lauderdale. I wonder how you know, how long away he is from maybe being called up. I think Phil Neville Well, he has to wait till twenty
0: twenty two because the roster is frozen at this point.
1: Right, right. But I mean, you know, he he's he I think even Phil Neville can see it. he's probably not ready yet, but that's in the future to bring someone in like that would be I think could 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 be an option. Um, because, you know, they're going to have to get Carranza off the wage bill anyway, I would have thought. Um, not that I wouldn't have thought he's worth too much, but, um, yeah, they need to find goals.
0: Well, this was a something I asked Phil Neville about, I don't know, after week two, week three, maybe around week four, because I saw that there were issues in the attack. They, they weren't generating a whole lot, and, and Phil Neville at the time said that he wasn't overly concerned, that, you know, there's enough quality in the attack that, he thought it would sort itself out. But it has not. It has not. For a lot of reasons that we've talked about. Gonzalo Higuain not being uh, enough versatile of a threat up top, even though, statistically speaking, he has done well. The team's, um, excuse me, the roster construct, it's, it's not necessarily a great team. It's not. A, there's not a whole lot of athleticism on this team in a league where athleticism is pretty important. So... There's a lot of reasons why they're not scoring. They're also not, not finding the back of the net off of set pieces. They have yet to score off of a corner kick this season. So the attack is in a bad way. And I don't know what the solution is. Because Inter-Miami, when it left itself more open defensively to try to find goals, didn't really get a whole lot and was giving up a whole lot more. Now that they've switched things up and try to solidify things at the back by throwing more numbers in the defensive part of the field they've they've short things up there but it's come at a cost at an expense of attacking numbers now i don't know how they go about turning that around because you're going to have to start taking more risks but in doing so are you going to weaken the defensive side of things balance is key in soccer balance is key in football inter miami is very unbalanced and finding a solution at this point of the season, with no more reinforcements on the way, is is Phil Neville's job, but it's a, definitely a tricky, tricky challenge. Steve, let's quickly listen to what Phil Neville said after the game about his assessment of where things stand at the halfway point of the MLS season.
2: Well, I, I don't think it's anywhere near where, where we want it to be. Uh, even though the last two or three weeks have, been, have provided a little bit of positivity and good feeling, we're nowhere near we want to be, nowhere near the level of consistent we need to be and uh, the players know that I know that the whole club knows that we're we're taking baby steps and uh, we're now approaching the 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 moments in the season where we've got to put our foot down on the gas Uh, it's there for us if we want it you know it's not as if we are you know in a position where it's impossible it's there for us if we really really want it we really really need to put the or want to put the hard yards in Uh, and if we do we're successful if we don't then we'll continue to be inconsistent. We'll, we'll continue to suffer like we have them in the first half of the season.
0: Steve, Phil Novel was very real there. He was very honest about where things stand. Clearly not where Inter-Miami thought they would be or would like to be. Far from it. This is a team that Jorge Mas said back in February when we spoke to him at the Jersey unveiling, they wanted to be a top three team in the Eastern Conference. Clearly that's not happening what is your outlook for this se- rest of the season, Steve? And I don't. And I don't. I know you're gonna. I know you're probably going to say, "Well, they could do it." You know, just like Phil Noble said, they they can do it if they really want to. If they really want it, it's there for them. But what do you think happens? What's your perception or what is your outlook on Inter Miami? Think- Does this team make the playoffs? Does this team finish above the the playoff line? Because me, if we go back to the preseason uh, predictions, you and I both said Inter Miami finished seventh. Just above the playoff line and made it into the postseason. Does Inter Miami reach the playoffs, Steve? Yes or no? Why or why not?
1: I think they. I think it's going to be very similar to last season. I think they're gonna. It's going to go to the wire, and they're going to sneak in just. But it's not going to be pretty, and it's gonna. It's going to go right down to the to the last game, and purely for the fact that like, I just don't think. I just don't think there's much to to choose between any of the teams. They're all sort of much of. a... They're all samey. I, I can't see where one team is amazingly brilliant than, than the other. I mean, you know, they they pay they beat Montreal the other week. Montreal had been on a, a, a sorry Nashville. Nashville had been on a, on a great run, hadn't they? And you know, they Nashville turned up and they weren't anything particularly special. So I don't think you can't look at the the top eight now and tell they're they're mil, million miles away from into Miami. A million miles away from competing with them. They're not. They just I just don't think they have the right personnel, and it just makes it very very difficult. But. Can they sort of turn it around and sneak in? Yeah, absolutely, why not? Got to be be positive in life.
0: (laughs) I like to be realistic in life. And I'm going to say, yes, it's there for them. It's possible that they make it. But if I'm predicting today and I'm putting myself out there, I say, no, Inter-Miami does not make the playoffs. I don't think that they have what it takes, just especially in the attack. I don't think they're going to have enough. They're not going to have enough. I think Robbie Robinson, if he can stay healthy, Gives him a major boost and a big threat that helps the attack out by and large because he gives them that speed that they by and large miss. Lewis Morgan has some of it, but he's only one player. So if he can stay healthy, that helps them during this during this second half of the campaign. But I would disagree with that. I would say up until 7th and 8th, 8th place right now is the Columbus crew, the defending MLS Cup champions. Inter Miami there's a big gap between Inter Miami and those 8 teams. For me, for me. After that, 9, 10 and 11, Inter Miami to me is interchangeable there. If it makes a push, it can it can compete for those spots. But for 7 and above, which is where the playoff line is, I think that's I think that's that's too big a gap. That too big a bridge for them to jump this season with the team that they have and the issues that they have. Now, what would help Inter Miami tremendously, tremendously in terms of being able to push for a playoff spot is winning games at home. And that starts this week with the Chicago Fire and Toronto FC. Two teams that are in the lower half of the Eastern Conference. Two teams that on paper you need to beat. Because they're, especially Chicago, they're direct rivals for those final playoff spots. So, very important to start winning games at home. Inter Miami's has only done so twice this season. But the good news is that both of those times have been in the recent Weeks, Steve, let's leave it there for now. We're going to dive into the Chicago Fire game on Wednesday after this quick break. And we're also going to touch on Matias Pellegrini, who played for the Estudiantes this weekend, his first game since returning to the team. And he also talked about Inter Miami. So we'll touch on that as well after this.
2: You know, the importance of the two home games they're, they're, they're with clubs that are in and around us in, 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 the, in the conference. So there's no time to mope. Malk- what, there's no point. There's no time to point fingers or start blaming and, and criticising. It's time just to this league is brutal. Where you just got to lick your wounds and move on. I've seen it with other teams. You know they lose a the game, they then go on another four game unbeaten stri- uh, stretch, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to bounce back now. We've got to show we can, we can take this disappointment and, and move on to Wednesday night.
0: Okay, Primo. Before we jump into this week's first game, let's touch on Matthias Pellegrini, who. This weekend, made his first appearance, as I mentioned before, for Estudiantes since returning to that team on a one-year loan. Came off the bench in the 67th minute of a then-scoreless game against Argentine Giants, South American Giants, Boca Juniors. And he was on the field to help Estudiantes pull off a stunning 1-0 victory. Pretty good start for him in his life back in Argentina. After a tough and tricky first eight months of the year, seven months of the year, because of the situation he found himself with Inter-Miami, which we know about by now. Steve, he also did a press conference last week before the game, and he briefly touched on some things regarding Inter-Miami, mostly about Estudiantes, because it was obviously a press conference in Argentina where people were asking him about his return, not necessarily about Inter-Miami, but there were a few questions. He did say some things about the team, including... That he thought he was off to a good start this year before everything that happened with the Matuidi-Gate investigation and the sanctions that led to him having to be bought out and not eligible to play this MLS season. Let's, let's just touch on one of his quotes here, and again, this is what Billy said last week in a press conference. Quote, This year, I felt like I started preseason incredibly. I felt very good. and was playing really well in the friendlies. Then what happened afterwards happened, unfortunately. But I see the experiences as a good one. The soccer there is played distinctly with lots of transition in which the ball goes back and forth all the time. You have to be very good physically because the players flat out fly. And I think that is what proved most difficult for me when I arrived, end quote. So a couple of things to touch on there. Thought he started the year well. Didn't get the opportunity to show that. Also touched on... Difficulties maybe he experienced in 2020 when he wasn't playing well and he was getting criticized as a young DP for not performing. So, you know, out of all the things he said, because he was pretty positive in terms of the experience, again, nobody really asked him how difficult the experience was when during these months of inactivity, he did train with Inter Miami over the last few months, but he had not played prior to this weekend in a game since November 20th of 2020. He had gone almost a year, close to a year, nine months without playing a game. That's that's pretty, pretty long for a player at his age, for any player, but especially for a player at his age where you need minutes to continue to develop. So anything of note there? What, what did you take away from his from his comments that he made to the Argentine press?
1: I wish that he, he, he didn't launch into a vicious tirade against Paul McDonough and uh, the way that he was treated. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I think Phil Neville painted a picture the other week, didn't he, when he spoke about a kid that just wasn't his fault. He had, didn't do anything wrong. He just wanted to play and, and make an impression, um, and, and was denied that because of what had happened previously, you know, with the front office and, and what they did. So I think you know, you got sympathy for him. It's not his, wasn't his fault, um, you know. And he's just a young, he's just a young kid. That, he's only twenty-one years old. So um, pleased that he's, you know, he's found himself, you know, a new, a new club, and then it's it started well, and he can kind of move on with, move on with it because it didn't, you know, this dream move that he, he got just didn't. It ended up to being a bit of a bit of a nightmare, really, and I guess that just, uh, again, symptomatic really of the problems in the front office and off the pitch that the the club were were dealing with. So it's uh, it's, it's at least it's good to see that he's now going to get some gains on his belt and his career can move forward because it was it was stalling, wasn't it? But very very badly.
0: You said that you know it's 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 a shame, and I know you said a tongue in cheek that he didn't go into a tirade against Paul McDonough, but I know, look, it's a shame. I, well, <laughs> I will say. Look, he handled the press conference professionally because it, it could have he could have been very critical of Inter Miami. He could have even been critical in a professional way, but he chose not to go that route.
1: He should so, have been. He, he, he 100% should have he, and you know that you know these guys they're very media trained. You don't really get the truth.
0: Maybe a different player goes into that press conference and and rips into Inter Miami or even again is critical without Without being unprofessional, without saying, "Look, this, this, I didn't enjoy this. This was not fair to me," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he didn't say any of that. Now there is one quote, and I didn't. This wasn't part of the quote I just read. He says, "Quote: I do not know if I can tell too many details." Quote, uh, end quote. Well, he also says, "But we look for a return to Estudiantes a lot." End quote. This was in Spanish, of course. I'm, I'm translating it to English. But that right there, to me, if he can't, if he doesn't know if he can say too many details, then I'm sure he's been told. From his agent, from from Inter Miami. Hey, look, don't try not 100%. to not to share too much insight because you know we we still have your contract, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you know we still have to try to to manage it, and we still have to work together to, to figure out your longer term future. So, um, yeah, I would imagine that that's that's part of that there. That to me is how I, I interpret how I interpret that that part of that quote because look, he wasn't able to speak to us. We were never able to speak to him during the course of this year during his whole spell from preseason when things weren't even going south yet or hadn't gone south yet till the sanctions came. And then even after that, we never got to speak to him. We saw him at training when we were attending training sessions, but weren't ever able to speak to him. Inter Miami withheld him from talking to the press locally. Not the first time they've done something like that. And that is a criticism we share, we have had as, as media members, because you can't just put players up to speak when it's all fine and rosy and dandy. It, it's part of sports is facing the music when things go wrong. And hearing Pellegrini's side of things at that time would have probably been a good story in general. But it also would have been just good for him to, to be able to express, hey, this is what's going on and this is how I feel about it. But regardless, that's something separate from here. I just do think it's it's time to put a little bit of a light on Inter-Miami Trying to prevent players from speaking when things go wrong or when things are not as rosy as, as they want them to be. Now, Steve, you were you're were about to say something before, and I and I and I cut you off or interrupted you, so I apologize. But what were you what were you going to add there?
1: Only that because it was such a contentious issue surrounding why he wasn't able to play and everything with Matuidi. I mean, there's could be like a legal element where he's not allowed to sort of say certain things. So there is, you know, there are potentially mitigating circumstances as to why he not just didn't rip Paul McDonough in front of the Argentinian media and destroy everyone else in the front office. I think he's probably, um, yeah, keeping keeping his counsel because probably he has to, I would have thought.
0: So you're saying that at some point when that when this contract with Inter-Miami expires or runs out or is oh, ripped he's up? he's going to let rip. You wait. He's going to just do a Game of Thrones style Dracaris and just play throw everybody in sight and uh, let him have it. I mean, look, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Inter Miami with regards to him probably deserving of, of that. It was, you know, again, he was hard done by not his fault at all. And he was cost a good bit of time in terms of his development and, and his playing time. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point in his career, but as for now, he's, he's handled it very professionally.
1: He has. And, you know, I think, yeah, Phil Neville did say, you know, he was a good kid and they all felt sorry for him. And, you know he's doing his best et cetera et cetera so um yeah he was he just found himself at it was just yeah he was the fool guy was not he? but from mistakes that weren't weren't anything to do with him, so it's uh let's hope that he can um he can uh he'll he'll get in the goals where where he is right now in estudiantes, right
0: yeah yeah he's estudiantes de la plata his childhood club good for him because again he was a victim of a very scandalous ordeal here, not by any fault of his own. Switching gears to this midweek game, the Wednesday night match at Drive King Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida against the 10th place Chicago Fire, which are four points above Inter-Miami in the standing. So Inter-Miami cannot leapfrog them even with a win, but winning here helps close the gap. Losing would make the gap even larger. So Steve, for you. What do you think are the biggest keys to the game for Inter Miami? Let's start there, and then we'll we'll go to, for, to, what, well, to from the Chicago Fire.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you said, I think you know he 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 may look back his selection, so you could anticipate probably there will be change. I think he he has to change it around slightly, maybe go with a different dynamic. You know, up up top. Um, it's just yeah, like I say, just I know he has left Higuain out on on fitness grounds before. I do think he's looking leaner. Definitely, up. I've not seen him naked. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know if he your, level has. Your, your locker room sources. He looks
1: leaner in the inter Miami shirt now. Let's put it that way. Um, so whether or not he would drop out, and then they, yeah, they do go for like a Robbie Robson and Indiana Vasilev sort of Lewis Morgan pronged three attack. I don't know. Um, it's worth it. Look, they're going to be at home, so that at least they can you know they could be on the front foot against the Chicago team that haven't you know also struggling in confidence, and they're not facing one of the top teams, even though you tell me there are top teams and bottom teams, even though I think everyone's the same. Um, so I just think they've just got to go on the front foot, whatever team, and just have a high energy just for those first 20, 25 minutes and just, just try and get ahead and then and then keep, keep the pressure on because, like I say, the Chicago team has, has been in the mire, just like Miami have.
0: So the Chicago Fire are currently on a four-game unbeaten run with back-to-back wins against the Columbus Crew and the New York Red Bulls at home before that they tied the uh, excuse me they tied new york city fc and they tied the philadelphia union so chicago is like inter miami very recently similar, is, is on very a very
1: similar last six is pretty much exactly the same of us inter miami've lost one more and they've that's it yeah 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 it's, it's very very similar records very similar
0: so so right so the fire are coming into this one with some confidence with some momentum Inter-Miami is at home. They have shown good moments of possession and good moments of passing sequences. I won't say necessarily attacking sequences, but passing sequences. I think Phil Neville will change the formation. Slightly. Not a lot, but slightly. I think he goes back to the 5-2-3. Not the 5-3-2 that we saw this weekend, but the 5-2-3. Because... That's what's worked for Inter-Miami in this last game again against New York City FC. He changed it to try to match up numbers in the center of the park, which, again, I thought was, was a good idea. But against the Chicago Fire, especially at home, I think you need to throw more numbers forward and not be so reactive, be a little bit more proactive. And I think Robbie Robinson might be able to go on this one. Again, we have not spoken, or not again because we haven't mentioned this, but we have not spoken to Phil Neville and the team yet this week. Ahead of this game, we will do so on Tuesday morning. So, we, we haven't gotten an official update on Robbie Robinson, but last week Robinson had already returned to training. Phil Neville had just said that the Saturday game against New York City FC might just have come a little bit too early for him. So, I expect Robbie Robinson to come back into the lineup. That probably means Victor Ulloa is dropped. And I think Christian McCoon probably goes into the back five with Kelvin Leerdam slotting out to, to, the, to the right wing back position. Lewis Morgan and Robbie Robinson up top on the wings with Gonzalo Wayne in the in the middle. I think Rodolfo Pizarro probably gets dropped from this one as well. So yeah, that's why let me just throw out my starting or my predicted starting lineup. Marsman in goal, Leardem at right wing back, Gonzalez Pires as the right center back, Figal as the middle of the three centre backs, Christian McCoon as the left center back, Kieran Gibbs as the left wing back, and then your midfield will be comprised of Gregori and Blaze Matuidi up top, I think, Lewis Morgan, Wonsaleguane, Robbie Robinson. That's what I think Inter-Miami goes with. Now, we touched on the Chicago Fire just a little bit. They're not scoring a whole lot of goals as of late. They only have 21 this season. So, again, I think Inter-Miami has a chance. I think Inter-Miami has a chance to, to try to be on the front foot a bit more. Especially if they can play like they have played for. Most of these, this run during the last few weeks, during the last few games, I think that they'll have a, an opportunity to do so. Obviously, they have to be solid at the back as well. So, Steve, what does Inter have to do to win this game? What What is it? Well, what's yeah. it going to take?
1: They've just got to try and find a way to score goals. But remember, the last couple of home performances have been much, much better, and uh, they definitely fed off the, fed won off them the fans fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, let yeah, they, they, they need they need more than that, and they they should be positive at home. Why not? You've got to be on. You've got to be on the front foot. Uh, high energy for the, the you know for the start and see if they can really try and rattle Chicago
0: I think they'll be more positive than they were last weekend but I don't think that they'll be positive in the general sense because again if you're playing with a with a back five with two wing backs that are natural defenders then you're not being all that positive Steve what is your prediction for this weekend what do you think happens does Inter Miami get back on on track with a win because again they're playing two teams this week at home that are direct competitors more or less for these last few playoff spots so they need to start off on a on a good note. Does Inter Miami do that or is it a draw or a loss for them?
1: Yeah, well uh, my my golden run of predictions was over. Now you're uh, not. You're the, no longer
0: uh, el brujo. El brujo run is
1: over. Yeah, got it. I mean, I got the two right. I just didn't get the other two right. So uh, <laughs> I mean, I got two goals, but it wasn't it wasn't too all um again i think it's going to be nervy and edgy i'm going to go 1-0 one nil, one nil into miami
0: this is a tough one but i say 2-0 inter miami i think they win they score goals and they they give a, another reason for optimism i think they can they can beat the chicago fire but but it's not going to be all that easy because inter miami never really has easy games but you know, I think also if they can get a goal off a set piece, I think that would really help their cause. Because if they can take the lead, that opens up the other opponent. And if the opponent opens up, then you have much more space to attack to score another goal or more goals. So, you know, a set piece would help, but regardless, any goals will help. Any goals. Doesn't matter if it's a deflection off of a Chicago Fires Shin. Doesn't matter. Just Chicago Fire player's shin. Just get the goals in and give yourself a good start to the second half of this season. Steve, we'll leave it there. We have a QA and a session to attack after this. So let's take a break, and we'll jump into that after. Primo, Q&A time. Let's jump right into it. First one comes from Elderbar, and he says, The subs were horrible, worse than the starting 11 versus New York City. I love Morgan, but I feel he needs to come in as a sub at this point. He's not as effective and too predictable thoughts. And do you think, this is the second tweet, and do you think that what we saw versus Nashville is the best this team can reach? Primo, do you want to start there, or do you want me to start there?
1: Yeah, I mean, Lewis Morgan is, is, is a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Kind of... We wanted to kind of you know return to the form of last year. I don't think, you know, maybe the, the team aren't functioning. well, I can't say the team were functioning that well last year. They were terrible last year as well, weren't they? But um uh yeah, he's just he's just he's lost a little bit of that zip, maybe a bit of confidence. I thought there was little sparks on, on Saturday night. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, give, give give him a rest and bring someone else in. It's just could he come in for Vasilev potentially, maybe? That's that's possible, but yeah, still, still hasn't hit the heights of as what he did, what he did last season. Um, but there's still a good player in there.
0: <laughs> I love when you say that. Look, I think Lewis Morgan had a very positive game this weekend. I thought he was the second best player for Inter Miami after Leandro Gonzalez-Pires. I agree that he's been much more inconsistent this year. After last week's game, I started contemplating the idea. I said it's you know at least something to have to think about whether Lewis Morgan should be in the lineup or not. But after this past weekend's game. I think you keep him in the lineup, see if he can build off of that, but I do think that the thought is there. The thought has to be there for the coaching staff because he has been inconsistent. Now, I also think defenses are also honing in on him a little bit more. I also think the tactics are playing a part. He's not getting into space not being played into space as often. Again, I think defenses are, are are aware of that of not letting him get that space. But also, I think the tactics are from Phil Neville also are are not playing to to Lewis Morgan's strengths because in this in this last weekend's game, when they did flick balls into space for him to run onto, or he had space out there on the wing. He was effective. So I think it's a it's a recipe of all those all those ingredients. Now as for... Is this the best... Is the game against Nashville the best that Inter-Miami can be? I think that's pretty close to it. I think that's pretty close to Inter-Miami's best. The first half wasn't amazing. But they were the better team. And then in the second half... They give up a goal on a set piece. Not from the run of play. Just on a set piece. And they were on the front foot for much of the game as Nashville tried to close it out. So... I think that's more or less as good as it gets for Inter-Miami with this group this season in terms of the level that they can hit. Also, to take into consideration, though, that in that game, Nashville took a lead early in the second half. And then, true to their style and their identity, tried to close things up at the back and really didn't try to push forward as much anymore. So, that also helped Inter-Miami have the ball and be able to dictate the tempo. Steve, is the Nashville game as good as it will get for Inter-Miami? this season in terms of their levels do you do you think do you agree with me that that's more or less the best they can be or do you think that they can hit uh, another level or two above that this season with the group that they have well, well
1: i mean if you take away the, the sort of drama of the uh of the, you know the ending you know it's a pretty desperate first half wasn't it we were talking about train spotting and films you hadn't watched you were. um but <laughs> what i watched yeah i was um, but then the second half they showed, you know, more what they were about. So they have to do that on a consistent basis and do that for 90 minutes rather than just 45. You know, Nashville came into the game unbeaten. They were on a good run. They were hard to break down. They were canceling each other out. All that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they just need, you know, can we see a performance that from the opening first whistle to the last, where they just dominate a team, they win three or four nil, and everyone's you know, delighted, whereas you're sort of biting your nails, worried right until the last second before you know that Vasilev scored the winner. So, um, just want a consistent sort of performance over the whole 90 minutes rather than just you know a fits and spurts. But uh, we'll take a, we'll take anything right now, and even if that's a win and an awful performance, and so be it.
0: Sustaining it is key. Sustaining the the high levels of performance is key. Okay, next question comes from Lewis, and he. Has a remark, not a question. He even says that at the end of his two-tweet comment. And it says, The problem with Morgan is that he's making and winning the lane he is in, but has to extend his run because no one closes in on time. This allows defenders to get back. Does Phil not see this? I think Phil needs more cojones and needs to look at Robbie instead of Iguain at center forward. Iguain's slow play will cost us Morgan a one-to-two-year payoff versus a signature future player. That is what Inter Miami needs to look at. No question here. Just venting so along the lines of the same of of Lewis Morgan Uh, Lewis here the the question asker or the comment maker is saying he thinks Robbie Robinson should play at striker I think that that would take away from Robbie Robinson's strengths because he's looked better on the wing for me much better than he did last year at striker but I, I would not rule out seeing him up top again at some point maybe not this year but in the longer term future i think that you know he could get some more looks there just to, to be a stopgap solution because of his speed and and because of his aggressiveness and willingness to go at at defenders steve anything you want to add there because again it's more more or less along those same lines with lewis morgan that we just touched on
1: yeah i mean yeah he's, he's you know he's a big he's quite he's a big guy isn't he so he can put himself about i'm sure he's working on his physicality um you know, and he can, um, yeah, he can sort of cause cause problems up there um, with his running, in, you know, into spaces and stuff like that. So um, you touch on Robbie yeah.
0: Robinson here, yeah, yes, yes, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, no,
1: yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's looked much better this this year than he, than he did last season. So um, I don't I don't think uh, he has
0: the technical qualities to be a striker. I think, no, I think he's he takes too willing, many no, he? He's willing, sure, but that's why I think he's better on the wings. And again, I don't I, to re, to reiterate, I think his future predominantly lies on the wings, but. Occasionally, in certain moments or matches, um, I could see him playing up top again, but I don't think that that's his long term future. Next question comes from Lucho Lalo, 1896. He says, Franco, exclamation point, we need two exclamation points. We need these three dubs in the next three games to make a nice jump. What are the chances? Will Ventura Alvarado play? Can we get pink and black netting for the goals at Drive Pink Stadium? LOL. And what is up with the stadium? Can't we get a stadium out west by Turnpike? So, a lot of questions. There, as we go, with regards to the, the stadium, I, I, I assume he means a Miami Stadium. No update there. There hasn't been for quite a bit. So, not much movement there. Steve, what about the other question? What are the chances that Inter Miami gets three W's in the next three matches? We know that they play. They play the Chicago Fire on Wednesday. Toronto FC on Saturday. And then they play Orlando City away at Exploria Stadium in the rivalry match the Sunshine Classico, the Classico del Sol, next Friday. Not again. They just played them. Yep, they played they, they play them, them again them? Friday, next Friday. Oh, so, I'm going
1: to write to Don Garber and complain about this. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs>
0: Not a fan of the scheduling, Steve Brenner is. Okay, Steve, can Miami get three wins in those three games? Nine points.
1: Um, I mean, anything's possible. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I think if they can get, I think out of the next nine points if they can get six, I think that would be a good, that'd be a good takeaway. And I think anything getting Orlando, anything from Orlando is a bonus, but you know, we saw, we saw last time that, you know, they more than competed with them, didn't they? So they were nothing to, I think they'll definitely have confidence from those two, but I think the main, the focus definitely on those two, two, two home games, two winnable home games against teams that are in and around them in the, in the, in the standings. They're, they're the key ones. If they, if they can't get six points out of those two games, th- and yeah, it's going to be really, really tough, isn't it?
0: Is six points the the bare minimum you think they need, or would you take five over these next three games?
1: Yeah, I mean, five, yeah, five of these I, I,
0: three, a draw, a, a win, a draw, and a draw. Not, I mean, that's not terrible.
1: I mean, yeah, a win and two draws. That's that's not bad. Um, I think two two wins and then a bonus, some bonus points in Orlando. I think would be would be good.
0: <laughs> I mean, that would be much better, of course. I think. Look, I think five points is respectable. Six would be. Great. Anything less than, than five mm, in a week where you play two home games, I think that, that then you're, you're making it pretty tough on yourself. But that's just me sacando la calculadora, taking out my mental calculator there. And, oh, as for the other two questions that Lucho Dalo asked, will Ventura Alvarado play? I think we might see him. I think we might have a, an opportunity to see him during this next busy stretch, at least in in some way, shape, or form. Probably not as a starter, more likely as a substitute, but I think in some way, shape, or form, we'll see him over this next stretch. And can Inter Miami get pink and black netting for the goals at Dry Stadium? I think that's a great idea. Lucho Lalo, if they end up doing that, we'll give you full credit. Because, abs- you know, when teams do that and they add the color, their team color to the net or their team colors, I think it's a nice little touch. Something so small and subtle, but a nice little touch, in my opinion. Next question comes from Twitter. The next seven games are the perfect opportunity for Inter Miami to move up the table. Toronto and Cincinnati have. Fewer points than us. New York Red Bull, Chicago are slightly ahead, and Columbus are two points from a playoff spot. Orlando away would be the most difficult match. How many points do you think we will earn? I'll hope for fifteen. Fifteen from seven games. Steve, I ask you, saca la calculadora, do the math from the next seven games. How many points should Inter Miami be hoping for? Obviously, they want you know maximum points, but let's, let's... twenty one. Twenty one
1: points is the maximum. <laughs> Well, look. I mean, like, like, like we—they've just got to try. to look, at, it. The you the, gotta the,
0: look they, at the matchups and see, you know, do do what you think is is realistic.
1: I am getting my abacus out right okay. now. While you do uh, that,
0: while you do that, I will, I will. What, I imagine you are going to look at the schedules. I am looking at it right now. They've got Chicago, Toronto, Orlando away, Cincinnati away, Columbus at home, and that gives you what three, four, five. Toronto away and Red Bulls at home. That takes you through September seventeenth. Yeah, I mean. It's not, it's not... I don't
1: fancy them against the Red Bulls or Columbus, but I fancy them against everyone else.
0: So what is? So you're saying twelve points? Yeah.
1: You... Say yeah. Um, no, f- uh,
0: fifteen points, maybe. So you're saying same as Tweeter? You're saying fifteen points?
1: I think they'll beat Chicago. They beat Toronto. They're probably losing Orlando. They could may sneak a win in Cincinnati. Probably lose to Columbus. Then play in Toronto again. I mean, yeah. It's, I'm giving. You know. I'm gonna say. Oof. The games are running out.
0: Ten points. Ten points. I think they get ten points right now. They have seventeen. For them to get, for them to get fifteen, they'd be almost doubling their output right now. And they are playing some of the worst teams in the East. Some of the teams that are right next to them, but it's a. Uh... Yeah, I still, I still, with their issues that they have, I still don't, don't see them just rattling off victories just like that. So I'll say, I'll say, ten points, ten points. That was a lot of math. My head kind of hurts a little bit. See, this is why I I stuck to journalism and words. Your words, your words, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am putting myself in the listeners. Spot right now, and I can imagine them trying to do the math. It's like that meme of uh Alan from The Hangover, where he's just like calculating all the cards and stuff. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's, it's a lot of numbers. That's why they say in Spanish, "saca la calculadora." I, lo- I love that phrase when they say that. It's, it's made with like you know tongue in cheek, but it it is it is pretty accurate when you get to these points of a season or of a, of a campaign. Next question goes from Lloyd Halebrun. If their new tactic is five in the back and playing long ball over the top, doesn't that decrease even further the numbers in the attack? And don't we need much more speed up front for that tactic than we have been fielding with Gonzalo and Pizarro? Lloyd, thank you so much. This is what I was saying during the first half of the, excuse me, the first segment of this week's pod is that if you're going to play long balls, you need to have fast players. It, it does not make sense to have players that are slow, slower, excuse me, and don't stretch defenses if you're going to pump in long balls on a regular basis because then you're you're going to be hitting balls to nobody. So I agree with that. As for does the five in the back equal less numbers in the attack? Yes, it does. And that's what's helped Miami be a little bit more solid defensively, not give up as many goals, have more chances to compete, and be able to take games late. But I think with the situation that they're in, maybe not right now, but over the course of the second half of the season, I think Inter is going to have to start taking more risks. Phil is going to have to start maybe trying to be a little bit more attack-minded because if you're going to stick to being defensive-minded, I don't know if that's going to get you close to where you want to be. It might keep you in the hunt longer... But you might you,
1: you might not get there. I don't know. That's just my those are just my thoughts. Steve, yeah, what do you, you think? Know, the problem is is that one you know they with Iguain up front and he's not getting the ball. He kind of then drops deep and that kind of ruins their you know ruins their sort of flow and their formation because there's no one actually up top because he's 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 so far you know he's so deep trying to pick up the ball and and do things and uh, that I guess that comes with the fact that he's just not as mobile as he was and just hasn't got the pace to unsettle was if you had someone like Mbappe you know on the last defender <laughs> what? No, I was just saying what? Mbappe we went from uh... no but I'm just saying if if you had someone of his amazing pace he would just hang on the shoulder of the last defender and you just knock the ball over the top and defenders would be so scared about him beating them that that would cause you know he'd just run onto the balls all the time and they obviously don't have that that you don't have that outlet right now you know with Higuain it's just it's not the way that he plays and it kind of I guess sort of dilutes, every, you know, the way that they're trying to play. If you get my drift.
0: No, I get I get what you're saying, more or less. I think I, it's not necessarily my preference in terms of a, a soccer playing standpoint, but maybe it's worth looking at. Maybe it's worth trying. Although at this point, trying to tinker with things, I don't know how how much you want to do that. But maybe playing Gonzalo Higuain is a false night, and having Lewis Morgan and Robbie Robinson attack the space in behind and trying to have Gonzalo Higuain play make a bit more. I think maybe that could be a look. Maybe. But I don't know if experimenting at this point in the season is necessarily the right call. I think that's also a criticism that could be had of Phil Neville and the entire team is that we've seen a lot of different looks this year. A lot of different formations. I think part of that is Phil Neville trying to find his best group, his best starting lineup. I also think it's just part of his coaching style to have a lot of different formations. We've seen oof, so many different looks. WMs, five at the back, four-two-three-one. I mean, there's been a lot of different formations, a lot of different looks. In this last game, we saw Lewis Morgan out on the left in the last 20 minutes or so. So a lot of different looks. Definitely a point of criticism. I think Leandro gonzalez is even after this weekend's match, also kind of alluded to that saying like it took us a while as a team to figure out learn some things about about ourselves and figure out how we wanted to play and what we needed to do so definitely a point of criticism but it's one of many for inter miami steve that does it for this week's q and a session or not this week's because we have another show to do again later in the week but for this q a session let's do our final thoughts and we'll wrap up after that the floor is yours my friend
1: yes look just it was a disappointing setback i think at the weekend but home games are going to be key now. And I think they, they look at these next two games, home crowd, you know, the fan power behind them, all that stuff, um, you know, they've got to just try and eke it out. I think it's definitely going to go down to the wire um, in terms of the playoffs. It's, you know, it's it's very, they're very up and down, but I think, you know, two wins, I think, and everything would look just a little bit different.
0: It's a massive week for Inter Miami, a massive week. Anything less than, I mean, six points is, is the target, but anything less than three, will probably paint a pretty grim outlook for the rest of the way and probably make fans realize that this is not going to be salvageable. So a huge week for Inter Miami. My final thought is something away from Inter Miami, and it's that Lionel Messi in that PSG jersey that we saw him hold up and take pictures with last week. We didn't talk about it last week, but, man, that was very, very... Interesting to see, just completely different than what we're used to, of course. Obviously, he didn't play over the weekend. He's not ready to perform yet for the team or compete for the team. But it was definitely a bit of a surreal, surreal image to see him in a different club jersey. So we'll see how he does this season with PSG. and looking forward to seeing him in that MNM front line if, if Mbappé stays. Messi, Neymar, Mbappé. That, that could be some delightful soccer with, with quite a bit of speed. I know Steve Brenner mentioned Mbappe earlier, so figure I would drop him name drop him in there as well. But that does it for this show. We'll be back again later this week to review and recap the match against the Chicago Fire and preview the weekend game against Toronto FC. As always... Please don't forget to follow us on all our social media channels and give us a review, por favor, on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. It helps us out tremendously. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again very soon.